podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome to Pardew's Hot Pants, the nostalgic spin-off from the FYP podcast. It's our first episode of 2022. Uh, I'm Jim Daly and joining me as ever, we have Jesse Boyce. Hello to you. How you doing? Hello, JD. Hello, Richard. Nice to see you again. Hello. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been a while. I mean, you know, plenty's been going on. Uh, I, have we done one this year? Probably not. No. no. So this, our last, no. I looked back, our last one was uh, November. Um, so what what we've tried to do with these is we've, we've tried to do sort of one a month, haven't we, roughly? So we started doing them in lockdown um, and we've tried to do roughly one a month, but... Uh, I've just had a mad couple of months, really. So it's uh, it's my fault that we've been sort of off air for a bit. Um, but so ba- basically Christmas, December is always mad. It just sort of flies by. And then in January, we've moved back into our house, having been living up the road in temporary accommodation while there's been work on the house. So that's been mad as well. Finally, we're sort of feeling a bit more settled in now. Um, so it's uh, we can get back on track with the hot pants episodes and this episode today richard is and the timing is quite good because since we've come back we've had that horrendous liverpool penalty for the jota i guess it's like a modern dive that players do now they jump into the into the oncoming tackle and so we've used that as a chance for this episode to do referee controversies i mean we did previously back in july 2020 i think it was do um robberies but we very fairly did robberies for and against palace from back in time but this is going to be a specifically referee based <laughs> rants essentially for referee blunders that have happened down the past to palace yeah i mean i one of the it's one of those episodes where once you look at it you get deeper and deeper into it and you get more and more annoyed i actually had to go and walk around the garden i was so annoyed when i was looking <laughs> at my particular piece which you've already mentioned which is the jotter yeah uh well the whole game really but anyway um i'm gonna try and keep it to 45 minutes my right. rant. Uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> but i might fail i might fail but uh yeah uh I always find the negative things you find more energy for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Things are a little, you know, you're just quite pleased. You smile. But this, you, you're spitting feathers. Really. I think I think that's the nature of being a football fan. I have to say, when we do the main podcast, if Palace have won... I mean, for example, this week, we were going to do it on Monday after the Hartlepool game. But it yeah. was such an uneventful game and Palace was so professional. We thought, well, there's nothing to talk about. So we went to Norwich. And of course, thankfully, the Norwich game threw up many things to be annoyed about. So it was yeah. much easier to do that. But I think as fans, we just, it's easier to moan about stuff. And I, I think that's just something you are as a fan. But Richard, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly worried. Uh, is your rant going to delve into any sort of conspiracy theories? I'm, I don't want to get, you know, uh, thrown off the air for a random conspiracy. Well, I feel like we might be in that territory. As a football writer, I've got to be very careful what I say. <laughs> 
but I'm not going to be careful. I'm going to let this rip. This isn't the podcast for that, is it? Um, at no, all. Really. Um, Jesse, do you agree? Are you someone that finds moaning about uh, Palace and football easier than than enjoying it? The happy times. I think you know me by now, Jim. I think there's <laughs> there is truth. There's truth in that question. Um, yes, but I mean that's. I mean, but you, I've, I've heard Kevin say it himself when. Palace go on a good run. It's kind of difficult to have a sort of good debate on the podcast sometimes. It's just, yeah, everyone's in agreement. Everything's going great. Yeah. So sometimes you need those little lows. Palace wouldn't be Palace without a few um, sort of ditches to wade through. So, you know, we're, we're, we're well trained in yeah. being able to pick this stuff apart. Um, and, you know, as the, it's, it's interesting for Vieira because he's obviously, I'm not sure where um, his other managerial teams have sat in their leagues but his, this is his first time in the premier league as on on the, on the underdog side you know he's used to being yeah. Yeah. on he's used to being in the big having the big club bias going in his favor and he's having to adjust to being on the flip side so and you've seen that you know in his reactions the way he talks to referees afterwards some of his unhappy statements in presses you know he's he's um he's, he's learning to, learning what it's like to be uh, a Palace fan, so um, that's been interesting to watch as well. So yeah, we're we're all, we're all pretty well versed in breaking this stuff down. That's very true. That's very true. And actually, uh, I think when you get a player who's a winner that goes to a team that is, isn't aren't like traditionally winners like us, it can go one of two ways. They can either be like, "This lot of rubbish. I can't. I, what am I doing here?" Or they buy into it. And I think actually, it looks like Vieira is buying into it and is is learning what it's like to be a Palace fan. The way he talks about. Palace already and talks about players like Wilf who are massively important to us yeah I think he's starting to get it which is nice actually Richard because obviously we're getting away from subject matter from here today but like we are not a we are not quote-unquote winners and actually in terms of real winners in our team we haven't really had any in terms of like decorated players so actually to have a winner now you know quote-unquote leading us it's quite rare for us actually so it's interesting to see how his mentality sort of blends in with the sort of Palace DNA yeah, exactly. And uh, I also think, you know, all his comments about the, the Hartlepool stuff. So, you know, I, I think we've got a huge amount of positive publicity out of the fact that, you know, we offered to pay some of the coach travel and they bought 5000 down. Brilliant. But all the stuff about that, the manager's wife and raising yeah. money for her cancer treatment. I mean, it was on Radio 5. It was even on Radio 4 Today programme. I mean, it has been... And, and lots of people have been in contact with me who are not Palace fans and said how great that is. And Vieira came out and said, that's what our club's about. And I think in the end, that's really got to him, is that it's not necessarily about winning. It's not necessarily about, you know, where can we get to in the table? It's more to do with this a family club. We're very proud of what we do. And as um, the manager's, uh, Hartlepool manager's wife said on a, on an, in an interview, said this is a reminder about the football family in that we look after each other, you know, okay, so Hartlepool were the opposition. I think most Hartlepool fans are now Palace fans and certainly the manager has said he's going to follow us. So I think that's a big plus and, you know, I'm, I'm so proud of what we did there and the fans chipping in as well. So, you know, that's what Vieira's got and uh, long may it continue. We are, uh, I've actually, uh, do you know what? Forget the controversy. Let's just talk about how great Palace are. Um, we, we are a club with heart, aren't we? I think, uh, yes, I think a lot of clubs right. are, but we are a club with a big heart. And I think actually that's 
when you've experienced that as an outsider, as obviously Vera is having not had Palace connections before, Jesse, I think it, it, it ingrained itself in you. And there are so, you know, we've spoken to so many players before, obviously the Hillsborough heroes, many of them, but they've often talked about this like quality of Palace that you can't even quite explain. And I, and I think it is down to just the heart of the club, which makes it special. And it's something that as fans we bought into as kids as well, and we still follow as well. But I think we are, we're a club that, yeah, we might not win, but we care about the right things. And I think uh, the heart of the club goes a long way towards that. Yeah, it does look much further than, say, an isolated case of, uh, say, Benteke. You know, how many clubs would he have been completely trashed and kicked out of by now? He would have been so accommodating of his yeah. struggles and his upside-down sort of couple of seasons he's had. And, you know, the, the patience never really... Uh, runs out for him because you, you can see he's a trier and his heart's in it. Um, and he, he, he's, he, you just can't see that happening in many other clubs. I mean, we're, we're not angels, but we've had we've trashed some players before, and you know we're only human. We've sort of run out of patience here and there. But I think players love to come here. You can imagine the conversations where Conor Gallagher gets offered a year at Palace. Yeah. He goes to speak to Loftus Cheek about it. Yeah. What was your year like there? It's only going to be glowing, isn't it? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's why we've had such a good run as Chelsea players. They all go back with a positive experience and uh, spring in their step only for to end up deflated again. Yeah. <laughs> or else they struck struggle in the Chelsea reserve. So it goes a long way. You know, the word of mouth that Palace must generate um, across the industry uh, and younger players getting their, their pop to come here. You know that that, that goes a long way. Absolutely. And it's actually quite nice seeing Ruben get a bit of a run in the team, even though I have, there's no reason for me to want that to happen at all. Uh, not being a Chelsea fan, but it's good to see him do well. Um, we will move on to referee controversies soon. Uh, Richard, but traditionally we like to ask you what is happening in the world of the footballmind.com at the moment. Well, uh, as we said, you know, very positive stuff about Palace off the field. Um, and my latest piece is actually the second part of looking at the academy. And the initiative that was launched a couple of weeks ago where they said, you know, we are going to have a three-year programme looking after boys who are released from the academy. So it looks at the that, but it also looks at the overall picture. So there are roughly 12,000 boys in academies across the country. And the statistic is that 0.5% of them will actually play professional football when they're 25. Yeah. 0.5%. So one in 200. So there are a lot of kids who get released and, you know, it is a devastating thing. I, I don't care what people say, you know, you can prepare your, if, if I was at an academy at 15 years old and I was told there are only 0.5% of you are going to make it, I'd go, that's me. That's definitely <laughs> I me. wouldn't. Well, if you're a 15-year-old, you think, well, why else am I here? I'm an elite player. I've reached this stage. I'm going to make it. And when they're released, it's quite often brutal. It used to be really brutal, and they just used to go, okay, there your bags are off half an hour. In fact, Robbie Savage mentioned this on BT Sport last night. When he left Man United, he, he was ashamed to tell, he was released by them. He was ashamed to tell his mum and dad. He wouldn't tell them what happened. Yeah. And, you know, Ferdinand talked about it, and Michael Owen. And they all said, what a brilliant thing Palace are doing. Uh, I've got to say that... that Lots of clubs do look after their people, but this is a very set programme. Three years where we will look after you. They've got a specific player care officer who will 
be in contact with these boys. Southampton, actually, are another club who do a really good programme. But uh, that's what the two-part piece is, and I would get stuck in, people, because it's it's good stuff. So that is thefootballmind.com to go and find that. And again, that, you know, that plays into the heart of Crystal Palace, you know, a club with a heart and doing essentially something that sounds like complete common sense. Like you think other clubs, why is that not happening before? But sometimes it takes a club to do that, Jesse, doesn't it? And take that step and do something that clearly is an obvious thing to do. Yeah. It does feel kind of strange that it's not more widespread as an approach. It does feel like this is, this is way behind where it should be. You know, why is this? It it made a lot of ripples, a lot of headlines, this news. Mm. And You've got to think about all those, the bigger clubs, the resources they've got. And yeah, yeah. they have had the initiative to put this in this sort of program in place before. It's quite quite amazing when you think about it. I, I want, Richard, do you know anything about how it is in the other leagues and say in Spain and Italy? Is there anything like that going on there? Um, I didn't look into that, I must say, but um, it's a very good point and I will get on with it, Jesse. Thank you very much. That's filled up my afternoon. Part three. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> good. We'll do okay. go check that. Yeah, yeah. It just just occurred to me that you know it must must be somebody doing it. Maybe even in the US they're probably better at it because they yeah. just seem to be a little bit more tuned into yeah people's pro- people's true. timeline of progress. So yeah, it's, it just feels well overdue, and just it's another feather in our cap to kind of see us doing proactive things like this. So um, hats off to the club. Indeed, absolutely. Well, check that out at thefootballmind.com. Uh, and we will now take a quick ad break. And when we come back, we're going to get prepared to get angry with some palace related referee controversies. Shut up, baby. Let me see where you're coming from. Shut up, baby. Let me see. Hey, me. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Mental health in football is something that crops up now and again on the podcast. Certainly, under the last couple of years of lockdown. And there are some stigmas around uh, mental health. For example, some people think that you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that isn't true. Therapy is a tool to utilise before things get worse and it can help you avoid those lows. And we've been taught that mental health shouldn't be a part of normal life, but that's wrong too. We take care of our bodies with the gym, the doctor and nutrition. We should be focusing on our minds just as much. Mental health is an area that football clubs have got a lot better at dealing with in recent years. And I can say from personal experience that counselling and therapy um, has been useful for me at different periods in my life. And BetterHelp is customised online therapy that offers video, phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and FYP listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash FYP. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash FYP. Welcome back to... Uh, Party's hot pants. I was about to say the football mind there. Um, but no, party's hot well, pants. Uh, you could start a podcast, Richard, maybe. But yeah, maybe that's something. Do you want to be my guest? I'll be your my guest. My first guest, yeah. Jesse. I'll be your, there we go. Easy. <laughs> Done. Episode one. Sorted. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about how great Palace are again. Um, in this party's hot pants, and we're the nostalgic spin off from the FYP podcast. And this week, we are talking about referee controversies, those moments in games where you think this ref surely has got 
a shirt of the opposition underneath his black shirt. This is ridiculous. How has this come to happen? We're going to bury down into these and basically use it as a cathartic rant for all of us. Richard, we're basing it off, of course, the Jota one recently um, with uh, Craig Pawson was the VAR referee and the mm-hmm. actual ref was... Kevin Friend. Kevin, not a friend, indeed. Um, you're going to bury him down into this one, so uh, take it away. Uh, I'll throw in a caveat first off, because you, I'm, I'm aware that there are legal issues out here. Uh, I wasn't Uh-oh. actually at the game. I was travelling back from Scotland, so I was watching it on uh, a very dodgy Wi-Fi on <laughs> London North East Railways. Thanks, LA. Brilliant. The best way to watch a football match. And it cut out a lot. I missed our goal completely. Uh, I had to then tune into the radio. because Anyway, so that's the caveat. I wasn't there. But then when I got back and I watched it and I saw uh, quite a few of the comments, the temperature gauge just went up a notch every time I looked at it. So there are three issues here, main issues that were controversial. I would start with the second Liverpool goal. Yeah. So Oxlade-Chamberlain, you know, got the ball, pushed, p- popped it past Gator. The fact is that Firmino was in an offside position when the cross was made and went to head the ball. He didn't, he wasn't looking at the pigeons. He went to head the ball and Mitchell got dragged in because he thought, oh Christ, he's going to head it. So I better go in there and left Oxay chain completely empty. Now, I don't know if you watched the Wolves game last night. Jimenez did exactly the same thing. Missed the ball. Xhaka put it into his own net because he's Xhaka, disallowed. Now, mm. I've actually looked at the rules here, and apparently okay. VAR didn't, they, they, you know, they do that check. VAR said nothing to see here, which was very quick. So the offside rule actually states, if anyone clearly attempting to play a ball which is close, when this action impacts on an opponent, that's number one, clearly attempting to play a ball, which he did, Fabinho, which is close when this action impacts on an opponent. It impacts on an opponent. So that that's first tick. Second tick, or you can have this, making an obvious action which clearly impacts on the ability of an opponent to play the ball. Tick. So on both occasions, that should have been disallowed because Mitchell's well, dragged in. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't that... I? So I was there in the stadium, and it is interesting the different experiences between watching it uh, on dodgy Wi-Fi slash radio slash in the stadium. Because I think in the stadium, sometimes you get caught up in it and you think, well, this can't be right. And at home, sometimes it's a different experience. I don't don't know if it's actually worse. You've probably got the commentators and pundits going, well, that's so wrong. Whereas in the stadium, you're a bit like, well, I'm just caught up in it. I don't know where I sit, actually. I'm lucky enough I can look at the replays behind me in the Palace Media sort of bit. But even so, you don't really know until you get home. Um, But they'd said, I think it was on BT, the PGMOL had released a statement really quickly saying, well, we, VAR looked at it, but Firmino wasn't impinging on any other players. But Mitchell... Yeah. No, he said there was no makes, impact. Yeah, no impact. Mitchell clearly is moving towards the ball. And, and in, my, in my opinion, Richard, if you're a striker in the box, you are making an impact whether you move or not. Like, if you're there, yeah. you are having an impact. Well, you know, and also, not only Mitchell had to cover... Firmino and then left off. So Chamberlain Gator obviously thinks, oh, Firmino is going to head it. So he stays there. And then suddenly it's also Chamberlain. He puts a pass. So there are three or four issues here. 
So that, I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to get too angry. Well, I've hang on, let's go, to, let's go to Jesse so, quickly, because I have to admit, and again, maybe it was different watching it um, on TV. I didn't know that that was offside until after the game. I didn't, at the time, it hadn't registered. I just thought, oh, here we go. Oxley Chamberlain, yeah, bad defending, or, you know, 2-0. Uh, um, Jesse, well, firstly, were you there? And two, did that strike you as a dodgy goal at the time? Because for me, it was until much later. <laughs> Similar story for me, actually, Jimmy. I, was, I sit where you sit, so... Um, and I'm, I'm a bit lower down, so I didn't have a great view of everything that was going on there. Um, I, I think I was more just aware that we were just leaving ourselves exposed on that back post. And Liverpool just went for it in that first half an hour. There was just a constant um, kind of fl- flurry of proactive play from them. We just they just came out all guns blazing, and then, consequently, I, th- I think they ran out of steam almost as a result of that. And we, that's how we got on top of them second half. I think we were had a bigger appetite for the 90 minutes overall. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it's just clear that that sort of thing can't go unnoticed. You know, it's in the passage of play. It's in the build-up to the goal. I don't understand how it's not checked and double-checked. I think it's just, and as you say, you've seen plenty of those things go um, and get picked, get, get scrutinised in other games in other, for other teams. Yeah. yeah, to me, it's just it's symptomatic of the sort of thing that goes against us and the, in, in, in a vice versa situation, we'd probably get picked up on it. Yeah. Well, it does, Richard, I'm sure you're going to come onto this with your with the Jota thing. It does play into the conspiracy theory, although I'll be honest, I start to believe it more, maybe it's not a theory anymore, that referees... And VAR referees, and they are obviously they are normal referees just sat in a studio, mm. have an unconscious bias towards the bigger team because the more you get these decisions, it's harder to ignore that theory. It is, and I can't possibly comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number two, so the same assistant who didn't bother putting his flag up for that, right? So, and, and we've all watched football this season. And there's this new thing where the assistant will not put his flag up, even though the bloke is five yards offside. And then the play progresses. And then if he misses it, then he puts his flag up. Really ridiculous. I've seen it so many times, not just in Palace, in every game. And you just think this is ridiculous. I'll take you to an incident in the second half, which no one really picked up on. So a ball was played forward by our, uh, I can't remember who it was. And there was a line of players... And Benteke and Ayu were quite close to it. And in the end, Ayu let it go and Benteke got it. The assistant, the same assistant, put his flag up immediately yeah. that Benteke got the ball, right? And we've seen it so many times where you should allow it to go. Da, 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 da. He was marginally onside when they looked at it. He was onside. So why did that assistant put his flag up immediately when every other linesman has just kept it down and waited for the passage to play to finish. I would like to know the answer to that. I'm not going to get the answer to that because PGMOL make MI5 look like a public library. They will <laughs> never, ever explain their decisions. They just don't do it. And I've, I'm going to go on a rant now that may last a while. Why don't they come out and explain these decisions? Why don't... Why? Why? Because they go, oh, well, refs are human. Yes, okay. But when you make a mistake, put your hand up. That's what I was told at school. I didn't do it, but that's what I was told. If you make a mistake, own up to it and get on. 
they're not doing they never do that and they never talk to the press i get that but surely in you know this environment you can just come out and say actually that was an error and everyone would be a lot happier rather than saying this is conspiracy theory all the big six clubs get the decisions we don't get the decisions if they came out and explained it it would be a lot more acceptable well there is jesse isn't there a culture of i was going to say cover up that's the wrong phrase actually that's um diminishes genuinely serious issues in the game um but there's a culture of we're not going to let you see how we do things you're not going to get a peek behind the curtain because football is sacred and this is how we do things and you as the fan are just lucky enough to be there and what we say goes and our decision is final whereas actually i think we've got to the point now where i think richard's right if they came out afterwards and said well, I made a decision because I saw this and this and I thought it was this. And looking at the replay, I was wrong and I'm sorry. I mean, 99.9% of fans would say, ah, fair enough. All right, you're human. You've admitted to it. We all make mistakes. Or even if maybe they were mic'd up and you could yeah. hear the conversations afterwards and you could think, okay, well, they've got that wrong, but I can sort of see where they were coming from. So I can see why they've reached that decision, even though it's wrong. The fact that they're just completely closed shop and then they show the replay in the stadium with the Jota one. And I've never heard a reaction like that in a stadium before where everyone's going, well, normally they play them and, and you, you get a, a sort of murmur of like, oh, fair enough. That reaction just showed how far away they, they were from it. But from knowing what the PGMOL are like, it doesn't look like, Jesse, we're, we're going to get down a road where we do get some sort of transparency or communication from them, which is only going to make these decisions more annoying. First of all, you're right. The the reaction to the yeah. Jota um, replay made the family stand sound in all vitriol and <laughs> disbelief, like the homestead for the first time. For yeah. The first time I've ever felt like I was sitting in the homestead, sat in the main stand. Yeah, um, there was bottles thrown, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just never seen such such a wind up really. Um, but this is the problem, isn't it? We they can't they don't have a leg to stand on in being so um sort of guarded in in their post-match uh, transparency when we've seen this in rugby we've seen it in australia this famous yeah. clips gone around in the european leagues like in uh, in holland i think and germany you, you've seen there's a level of transparency there that we just cannot get near yeah. and it's not it's not helped by the, in the short history that var has had do you remember the for the first six months at least. So this is following, I think, a successful World Cup where the VAR was used really well. We thought it was yeah. going to ruin the World Cup, but it didn't. It was used perfectly. Um, then we saw it get implemented into the Premier League. And for the first six months, referees didn't go to the monitor once. It was like they were told not to go to the monitor. Yeah. And it was a, I think it was an FA Cup game where I think it might have been, um, I forget his name, Michael Oliver might have been the first referee to go to a um a vast screen and it was like it was a moment wow they finally and it was because of the fa cup it was, de- it was very telling because wasn't it wasn't that pre- seller it wasn't that luca getting sent off against derby well, that was one of those one of the early ones i think yeah i think i'm, I'm probably got one or two facts wrong there but there's something <laughs> there that i remember the fa cup being uh the first time a script vast screen was looked at in english football and it was very telling that it wasn't the premier league and then we did then we then it flipped there was an instruction the referees could go and look at the screen. Yeah, yeah. 
And it was for a period there, it did have a moment where it did feel like the referee was getting a bit of a final say. And we've now we've moved on to a place where the referee looks at the screen and he's been told to and he has to yeah. reverse the decision. Yeah. That, yeah. That, um, the ambiguity is gone. It's just become a formula. And I think that's what's annoying people now. So we've gone from the screen not being used to yeah. then there was the period where I think it did get used the right way, as that we as we saw in the World Cup, but the referee's discretion. Now we've gone to this full extreme, which I think Rob talks about in good detail on the post match pods about it's performative and yeah, it's yeah. just part of the process now for him to confirm what the VAR ref's saying. So this is a sort of horrible timeline we've seen this rolled out into English football, and it's it, we've seen it, we've just seen it done better everywhere else. We've seen VAR used better in tournaments than we use it here, and the transparency better in other leagues, and therefore. We, we 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 refuse to be told it's not possible. Yeah, and and the ridiculous thing is, Richard, that Kevin Friend actually got the decision right initially. Yeah. He made the yeah, right yeah, call, yeah. and then was allowed himself to. It is as Jesse says. The VAR refs are now sort of running the game, which basically sort of diminishes the integrity of the ref on the pitch. Well, it undermines his authority completely. So, forty odd times, Jesse was talking about forty odd times, a referee has been told to check a monitor this season in the Premier League. Guess how many times he's stuck with his own decision? Uh, I mean, so, every time, probably. Oh, no, sorry, no, he's no, gone with the other yes. decision every time. Yeah, Zero. Never, so never. Zero. Yeah. They don't, as soon as they go to the monitor, that's it. That is it. It's decided. Yeah. And, you know, you might as well not bother looking at the monitor. Because, but also, as you say, what, what's happening now is the VAR is actually telling the referee. Yeah, you need to change your decision. They're not saying, oh, have a look at it and then make your mind up. So they're telling them to do it. And we know the problem with the VAR, it gets slowed down and it gets all... Oh, but as someone said to me, I think it was actually Chris Grierson I was talking to about this. He said, the thing is, when you look at the Jotter incident, slowed down, it looks more and more obvious yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Is yeah. that as yeah. he's running, okay, so as he's running... He, he loses slight control of the ball, pushes it too far ahead of him, sees Gator coming, he actually steps to the right. Watch it. He steps to the right yeah. to initiate contact with Gator. What is Gator meant to do? He doesn't go towards him. He's just standing there. He's allowed on the pitch, I believe, against Liverpool. You're allowed to keep your keeper on the pitch. He just stands there and he clearly goes to the right, initiates contact. If he wanted to get the ball, He'd have gone left because the ball was over the other way. And then, you know, I mean, what I'll sum this up as is that Carragher was on uh, Sky Sports commentary. Mm. He said that was never a penalty. Jamie Carragher, one of the <laughs> yeah. most one-eyed people you're ever <laughs> going to get. He said it. Chris Sutton, who actually I'm beginning to like, said, called him Jota the Rotter because it was clearly a way of getting a penalty. Then, of all people, bloody Mark Clattenberg. Even Clattenberg, yeah. And he never, ever gives us anything, as we know from the cup final. Never gives us anything, never talk, you know, anything he's ever done has always said no. He said it was a ridiculous decision. He said it was wrong, 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 wrong. So every single pundit, every single person, even with the Liverpool persuasion, said it was wrong. Kevin Friend, as you said, that was his original decision, no way a penalty. VAR is meant to say clear and obvious error. So what did Kevin Friend not see? What did he not see 
that he got to see through VAR. I, I, I still don't understand. Well, and the other thing is, if he really thought that was a goal-scoring opportunity and Gator took Jota out, why wasn't he booked or yeah. sent off? Well, the th- or, yeah. they couldn't do it because they knew so deep down they knew they cocked that up. And I'm just going to finish now, before Jim, and now I'm going to explode. So Kevin Friend made the decision, told by Pawson to go and change his decision effectively. Friend didn't have the, excuse my French, bollocks to stand up to him and say, actually, no, I was right. And if you look at it, what Jota is doing. As my son, uh, when he came to a match when we played Swansea a few years ago, and Friend, he's, he used the phrase, he's no friend of ours, and I totally agree with him. Pawson either needs to change his name by deed poll or we need to change the Pawson's arms. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm never going in the Pawson's <laughs> arms again, yeah. ever, ever, ever. Um, so I just don't get, and, and going back to the PGMOL, did you know that if you, li- if you retire, you're not allowed, you, you're basically, your pension relies on you not talking about any of your refereeing. And so Mark Halsey, I'm a, if you remember him, yeah. he wrote a book. They, they they stopped his pension, said you're not getting any of that. Well, we really? might get your golden farewell either. They said no. We might be getting Mark Halsey on the blank podcast. At some oh, really? Point. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited to talk to him about the ins and outs of being a referee. Um, I was just, as you were talking, I've just checked Kevin Friend's record as a ref because like i know we're saying he got the decision right but that doesn't he was still awful during the game and obviously the second yeah. goal should um most refereed club what do you reckon for 37 games liverpool correct liverpool okay. uh one twenty-two of those uh seven penalties awarded um second most i'll, I'll go through second is chelsea third is everton fourth most man city crystal palace really so we are high on his list. He has done because I because I'm thinking Jesse like it, Kevin Friend is one of those referees that I think oh we never get good decisions from him. But I wonder if it's just because clearly we've had him a lot, and over the course of time when you have a referee a yeah. lot, you're going to see more bad decisions just by the nature of ratio. Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Jim, because I've got some further stats to add to your inquiry. <laughs> Here we go. Um, so. Well, I won't, no spoilers about what I'm going to talk about, but I I just realised we have a good number of discretions by a good spread of referees. <laughs> it's not just, every time I thought of a, an incident that annoyed me over the years, I had to find out who the ref was, and it's a different one every time. <laughs> um, so there's a, there's a few culprits that we will zoom in on in a moment, but on, just on your point about Kevin Friend, I've compiled a bit of a league table of referees discretions against palace and kevin friend is top of the list on number of cards given to palace right okay so in 21 games in the premier league he has refereed us he's given 43 yellows that's more than more than two cards a game wow he's only just more than two cards a game to be fair (laughs) 2.04 to to be uh exact glad to hear calculator out there jesse he is he is top of the list of in the selection of about 10 refs so not a bad sample size 10 refs he's top of the list on average cards per game to palace kevin friend and then i just looked at his average for liverpool uh 1.2 cards a game for liverpool this, 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 um, this is what I, th- I think there is an unconscious bias. I'm not saying it's intentional, but I think 
it's it's an institutional bias against yeah, yeah. smaller teams. Also, the fact his friend was taken off the referee list for the following week. He was taken off it. But they still didn't say, oh, actually, sorry, he got it wrong. Well, that so is PGMOL, you have really got to get together. And actually, the trouble is it's run by Mike Riley, who is one of the... <laughs> he's a bad one. We are, we are not going to be popular with the PGMOL. Um, well, I don't give a flying about that because they need to actually you know have the balls to stand up and say sorry we've made some errors here this is why they made the error and then then we all move on at the moment i'm not moving on uh, and friend is just he's never ever ever i, I don't think he should have i think clubs should be allowed to say actually we don't want this referee ever again there are enough <laughs> of them out there well there are tried... enough of them out there just rotate them and just someone say, okay. is trying that i think it's arsenal i think arteta has actually genuinely uh, I don't know which ref it is, but appealed to the, the Premier League for that. Unfortunately, you, you do end up going down that route that it probably is not sustainable. Um, no. But I, the Porson thing is raw still, it was only a few weeks ago. Um, Jesse, where does the ref... We're going to take a break in a minute. We're going to come to Jesse's example. Where does the ref, for your example, rank in your league table? Or does he? Which ref? The one for your incident. For the game you're about to do. Um, he is, he's actually somewhere in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Right. And he's not, it's not a big name ref. It's more about just, well, I, so I'm, what I'm going to talk about follows on well from what, what okay. Richard's been talking about, which is obviously Hotter winning a penalty he shouldn't have. So I'll, I'll break it down into a few pieces in a moment. Okay. We'll take a quick break then. And when we come back, we'll have, uh, Jesse's, we'll let Richard call off. And we'll have uh, Jesse's example of a referee controversy. Shut up, baby. Let me see where you're coming from. Shut up, baby. Let me see. Hey, me. Good God. My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. 
Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Right, welcome back to the Pardews Hot Pants. We've all had a minute to just uh, let off steam, uh, but we're going to get more angry again with Jesse's example. Um, now, Jesse actually found us a YouTube link with the highlights from this game. So I thought we could all watch it along together. Shall we do that? And Jesse, you can talk us through in the, in the highlights that aren't linked to the actual controversy. Maybe you can talk about other uh, things you found before we build up to it. Because I think it was... So quite early or late in the game, the particular instant you're, you're thinking? It was the 30th minute, so I'll come to that. So just uh, as a theme, um, there's nothing like an unjust penalty, um, <laughs> an unpunished dive, or whatever you want to call it, the, yeah. to rile us. And it sticks in the memory. You'll never forget it. And uh, I think that's where this comes, the root of this is for me, is um, I had a, a colleague I used to work with from Greece. He came, he wanted to go to a, a palace game because he'd heard about the atmosphere and everything. So I took him a couple of years ago, just before COVID, I think, um, to see Palace Southampton. And everyone was booing Ward Prowse. And he said, Why he said, What's what's the deal there? Why why is everyone booing this guy? It's like, oh, he's he got one of our players sent off. So he's basically just winds him up every every game. Two minutes later, everyone starts booing Shane Long. <laughs> so why is, every, why is everyone booing him? I was like, he dived here about 10 years ago, just, just down by the homestead. <laughs> it's like, you guys don't forget anything, do you? No. So that kind of made me realise <laughs> that there was there was something there. So just very much along the lines of what um, Rich has just gone through with the hotter miss, which is all very clear in our memories, but will also forever be there. And we'll yeah. never forget that. Yeah. Um, well, he'll be, of... Jota will be on the list now, won't he? Jota will be on yeah. the, boo, the boo list, uh, along with Ashley Young. And various other players, I'm sure. Shall we? Let, let's get the video so, up. Let's let's all get the video well, up and start. Well, these the, these are the five other instances, just to kind of rubber stamp what we're all saying here. So, um, I've got five instances of players diving uh, and the ref buying it against Palace. So we've we've already got hotter. So that's one. Second, we've got um, the Snodgrass dive, yeah, which was a, just absolutely horrendous where he conned the ref. And that was Mike Jones that gave that. And more, the most annoying thing is when they dive and then score from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Snodgrass d- dived and scored the pen. Yeah. Um, then you've also got, the, do you remember the Niasse dive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everton, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that's Anthony Taylor. And he got done. Do you remember? He was the first yes. player to be done retrospectively yes. for yeah. diving. Yeah. Didn't do yes. us any good because they still scored the penalty. But he got done. For, he got a three-game ban. Yeah, and Anthony Taylor's. You know, he's. We we all know how we feel about him. He's the guy that didn't give the red card to Kapue when he took out Will for that time. Oh, yeah. Um, so then you've got the assay. You've got Snodgrass, Ashley Young. You've just said so. He dived and got booked. Then dived. Well, I don't know if it was really a dive or not for the one that got KG sent off. That was yeah. Jonathan Moss. And then um, the last one. Oh no, there's another. There's one more. Benteke. Dive for Liverpool. Last-minute penalty, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Dive for Liverpool and scored. Again, yeah. he scored it. Yeah. That was Andre Mariner. So, different ref every time. And then, the, the one we're going to talk about is a referee called Anthony Bates. So, not someone who's well-known, really. But this was a certain game against Reading, 3-3 in, I think it was 2010-2011 season, where Shane Long dived 
Um, and yeah, should we watch it, Jim? Yeah, let's watch it. If you guys have got it up, I'm ready to hit play. Um, if, you, if you're all ready to hit play at the yeah. same time, in theory. Yes. Three, two, one. Hang on, wait. Okay, hang on. Uh, right, three. On, on one. Three, two, one. One. Okay. I, I might be ahead of you slightly. Right, I've got, uh, I'm seeing uh, Brian McDermott's bald head currently. Yeah, he's yeah. talking to the fans. So Brian McDermott walking in, yeah, and the Reading players are... Because um, Reading, Reading, we're Reading good at this point. Yes, they had a very strong squad. They've got Mikhail Antonio on the bench. Oh, wow. Yeah, and... Um, the interesting thing about this team, when we circulate this clip, there's four players for the Reading team that played for us. Makanoff, McCarthy, Jimmy Kebe. I think this is the game that made Parrish want to buy Jimmy Kebe because he was a pain in our arts this game. So this is Here's the so, first goal. Yeah, Ambrose cutting inside from the left, on the right, left foot shot into the bottom goal. Great goal. Yeah, in the first 39 minute. seconds, just like. Goal and the commentary Sorry, said something like, "I think he'd had because obviously he'd been he'd kept us up the previous season, but I think he'd had a um, an injury hit season at this mm. point. It was only his sixth goal of the season. I'm not sure how far into the season we are, but I'm guessing we're a fair chunk into the season. Uh, for Trade, trademark Ambrose finish. Did Love he ever finish. score a bad goal? <laughs> not really. No, all, I don't think he did. They're all brilliant. They're all absolute bangers. So here's another highlight: Neil Dans. It looks like feeding it out to to James Vaughan. Cross to the back. Sir post. James Vaughan, did you say? Sir James Vaughan. Is it, and then he knighted. Oh, how did that not go in? Yeah, that was, well, check this yeah. out. Keeper pulls off oh, a worldy save onto the that's bar. That's bloody McCarthy as well. Yes, yeah, it. Alex McCarthy. Liggett Woods playing as well. Oh, my word, it's, it's Palace B. Yeah. yeah. Do you know I play with Liggett Wood in a, in a Vets sickle side league in St Albans? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> he plays he's still giving away teams. stupid free kicks that lead to Charlton scoring. He's, he's brilliant. He's the best player there. Right, so this well, might be the so penalty. But this is Kebe cutting inside. No, that's a good, no, good Kebe shot, that. Okay. And then this loops back. Weird save by Julian. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a, good... Looks like Andrew's actually touched that. An action pack for... At half-time, I couldn't believe it was only half-time watching these highlights. It's such a great... Action pack first half. Would that have been an own goal from Ambrose? Well, it looks there. a bit like it, doesn't it? He almost... and it's a good block from Paddy in the box. On I'm guessing. On yeah, because he there. looks like he's definitely going to score, doesn't he? That's a good block. Yeah, there's more action. Um, um, do you know what the anticipation this is, for this long uh, guy? This championship is quite good, isn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> turns out it's quite entertaining. Neil Dan's cutting inside a little floater to the back <laughs> and... post and. How's Darren missed that? No, well, yeah. no. I think Vaughan got in his way, did he? He expected him to head yeah. in. Oh, this game could have Very been three all before half time. <laughs> yeah, it's still still about 25 minutes gone at this point. <laughs> I don't remember Palace games being this entertaining, to be honest. <laughs> but we weren't, but at this point, we'd have been sort of lower mid table, wouldn't we? I think we, we no, survived. No, we, were we, were, we were right down the, yeah, we right, were 21st. Yeah. Because we survived late on that season, didn't we? Was it away yeah. at Hull? We got a win away at Hull, I think, didn't we? Ibris Akadja, is that right? Am I thinking that right? Didn't yeah. So there's James Vaughan putting it across, and then Neil Dans makes it 2 0. Brilliant. I was actually surprised one went in. I was expecting all these to go right. Yeah, that Dans, yeah, it's a good finish from him. Um, great player, terrible musician, but uh, it did all, did all right for us. <laughs> oh, God, don't take your shirt off. Oh, he hasn't. Though. He hasn't. Uh, no, no, he hasn't. He's, he's avoided the he gets yellow. Warned. He gets the ref, warned by yeah, the ref. The ref gives him a little, <laughs> him a little wag of the finger. He obviously remembered, but uh, that's a good... So 2-0 Palace, that's a good finish. Again, I'm guessing a high-flying Reading. Well, yeah. you know, higher than us. So here comes the penalty incident. So it's a bit of a hoof from Reading, and it's Shane Long backpedalling between Davis and McCarthy. 
So Palace lose the ball. It's a high so ball. Yeah. And there's not much contact. The camera angle does not do it justice, but when we were sitting in the homestead watching this live, you can see McCarthy's absolutely livid. Yeah. Well, McCarthy walks off. It looks like McCarthy is expecting him to get booked for diving, maybe. And then suddenly Long's got the ball in his hands. We are, we are unfortunately, because this is Championship 2011, we don't get the benefit of multiple angles now, do we, Richard? No. And then more, just to rub it in, Shane Long takes the penalty and gives it a little bit to the homestead. Oh, it's a good... I mean, there's barely any people in the homestead. This is still only half an hour gone in this match. <coughs> what a mad game. It's a good penalty, to be fair to him. It's an excellent penalty. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, I, my, I was in the homestead as well. Or block B or A or B, I think that that game. And um, my memory was that it was a horrendous dive. And and looking at this, the replay, you're right, it doesn't do it justice. But I'd no. imagine if there'd been an angle from behind the goal, I think it would have been a much more. Oh, we get a penalty as well. Yeah. So then Ambrose steps up. McCarthy brings. Everson getting fouled. Yeah, Everson gets fouled by McCarthy, and Ambrose steps up. And we know what happens next. Um, didn't Shane Long... I'm, I'm, am I dreaming oh, this? I'm sure he did a dive penalty. when he was playing for West Brom at Homesdale End. Possibly. He has... I think he is one of those players that has form for um, going down easy. Because this one with McCarthy, it's a, it's a defender's sort of shoulder to shoulder. Mm. It's the sort of one where you have to make it as a defender. And he's going to sort of obviously protect the ball. And Long just goes down easy, I guess. And, and I think you sort of... It is a dive, but it's one of those where it, it's not a blatant dive in terms of he's not, like, jumping over nothing. But he, yeah. but it is because it wasn't a foul. Oh, Kebe scores at the back. Kebe scores. That's, I think this is, Sign this is him the up, Paris. Sign him up. Yeah, this is the moment where Paris says, we're going to buy him one day. Yeah. I mean, he was good for Reading, to be fair. He was very good. And that is Shane Long with the assist, I think, isn't it? Out on the left. Yeah, it is. Dinking it to the back post. Do you want to nugget about Shane Long? Yes, of course. Negative, well, this is nominative determinism going the other way. Shane Long holds the record for the quickest ever Premier League goal. No way. He does, away at Watford. It's like seven seconds, isn't it? Or Very good, Jim. Very good. Yeah, it's I remember Mo- that. Mox- Moxie pulls it across to Easter. What a finish. Easter. A little, a little half volley there. First goal for Palace, you were saying? Yeah, his first ever goal. Didn't know he scored any goals outside the six-yard box. So I've got I've got a video somewhere. I've, I was like living in Brixton at the time, and I made a little video of like going to the match, like my match day experience. And this was the game that I did it in. No I way. Sort of recorded myself getting the, the the bus from Brixton and going to the Porsons, uh, and then recording the goal. And I've got a lovely angle. I'm probably it's probably the only other angle of that goal. This is championship at the bottom of the cameras from the home stand. I'll send you guys the link. Oh, I may have deleted the video. Yeah, do that. Um, but it's a lovely, uh, it's a lovely finish from um, from Jermaine Issa. Very unexpected. And I'm guessing Reading get back in. Julian sort of palms away one out wide, and that looks like Joby on the ball. Joby McEnough yeah, potentially. McEnough swings it back in, and that is who's no Whelan header. No Whelan. He played for us as well, didn't he? No. Did he? No Whelan. No Hunt. Sounds sorry. like he should be. Oh no, no. Oh no. well, No Hunt did play for us. No Hunt was in our academy, wasn't he? I think. Anyway. Uh, and three, yeah, he, three. he was Stephen. He was Stephen Hunt's brother, wasn't he? Is that right? Was he? Was he? Oh, God, I'm getting confused now. Stephen Hunt obviously played for us as a kid. He, he definitely played for us. Um, 
I thought Noel Hunt also played. What is Easter doing there? Oh no, he's going to score. Oh no, it's not enough power. And the defender pulls up. This, yeah. this game has absolutely everything. It's a brilliant game. And I'm guessing that's the end of the highlights. Big, yeah. big boot up yeah, from Paddy. That. that is. So I have to put the link to that in the Twitter thread, Jim. Definitely put. We'll definitely put. I'm gonna, I'm going to put the uh, commentary below us talking about it as well, so I uh, get the ambient noises. But yeah, mad game. Um, but definitely a foul. Uh, sorry, definitely a, a dive from uh, Shane Long. But I, um, uh, unfortunately, not like the Jota one, Jesse. You're never, you're never going to be able to 100% prove that because you just don't have the other angles. No, it's just the latest. The Hotter is the latest in a long line of dodgy pens that have been given against us by a plethora of referees. Um, and I guess the oldest one of the examples we've given is that one, Shane Long one. So, uh, and it will never be forgotten. He will never be able to return to sell us without being booed. <laughs> no. Um, well, shall we take a quick break and come back with uh, my uh, my one as well? So time for a, for a Jim Daly rant. Um, so yeah, quick break and we'll come back with our final controversy. Stand up, baby. Let me see where you're coming from. Stand up, baby. Let me see. Hey, it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Johnny Saddlebags. Slippery Pete. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. Ain't but one thing to do. Yep, start banking at community banks. Say what now? We'll grow this town bigger by doing business with community banks. That way our money will get reinvested locally and help small businesses grow and prosper. Son of a Saddlespur. This town will be big enough for the both of us. Help your community grow. Find your community bank at banklocally.org. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabine of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Welcome back to Pardew's Hot Pants, the nostalgic spin-off series from the FYP podcast. This month, we are doing referee controversies, and we've already had two already, and we're going even further back in time uh, for my one. Before we do that, 
let's read out some suggestions from our listeners because I tweeted out saying saying that we're recording this episode and what really annoys you. And there's been lots of suggestions, but also many repeated. So uh, Nav has said the Freddie Sears goal at Bristol City uh, was not only bad for us, I think his career goes in a different way had it been given. Richard, that's an interesting sliding doors moment. Wow. So he wouldn't have ended up at Colchester. Is that what you're saying? Maybe, because he, he was up, he's still on the playing, up. playing, isn't he? He's still playing. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I think he is. But he That's... needed, because Sears actually never scored for us. I mean, well, he did, because that was a goal. But in, uh, apart from that, didn't score for us. And he needed that goal, really. Yeah, yeah. I remember Warnock went absolutely berserk on that. Yeah. He just went, you know, I don't understand how this could ever be. I mean, we, we do have a history of disallowed goals, and maybe we're coming on to a couple of those as well. But Freddie Sears... Yeah, still, still playing, playing Colchester, Colchester. 32 years old. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure he scored a few more goals since then, so fair play to him. Um, other ones that people have mentioned, uh, Terence and Red and Blue Army, Paul Pesquisolido with the width of the Thames offside away at Sheffield United. He's done a screen grab. He's miles offside. That's a terrible <laughs> one. Um, let's have a look. Lots of people mentioning the one I'm about to mention. Uh, the Sears goal comes up again. Go skull, yeah. Oh, someone has we scored at we scored two. Um, the has done a picture of the KG, uh, which is uh, John Moss, wasn't it? On Ashley Young, yeah, where he got he got a red card and a foul, a red and a card penalty. and a penalty, and it wasn't a foul and it wasn't in the box. Um, Rick, but apart from that, it was a brilliant decision. Rick Everly, the Jeff Thomas foul inside the box in the cup replay, where, where there was a giant um divot in the box, you can see it, and the ref didn't give that, and that was. Would have put Palace 1 0 up, I believe, um, in 1990. Uh, lots of people, including Callan, had mentioning Mark Clattenburg and the 2016 FA Cup final, which we did cover, didn't we, Richard, previously in our uh, robberies episode? We did. And um, yeah, please don't get me started on that. I, I, I literally, I, I, we had this chat before, I literally cannot look at the cup final again. I, I can't watch it because it just gets me so wound up and how you don't play advantage for Wickham, I don't know. And then he did it again with Ward, didn't necessarily lead to a goal, but it's like, have you forgotten the rule? And then there's that bloody picture of him cozying up to Alex Ferguson and you just think, he's a wrong one. Well, that's the photo that this guy's tweeted. Um, Harry Clark has yeah. called him Clatton Fraud. Lovely work there, um, nice. Harry. Um, Nobby Clark uh, has said um, Derek Webb, didn't know that was named the ref, but for the Clive Allen uh, goal against Ghost Coventry, goal. which yeah. we did talk about in the previous episode as well. Mm. Um, at Jane 36 London, also the Jeff Thomas one. The Jeff Thomas one actually could have been a massive sliding doors for Palace. We won the FA yeah. in 1990. That, that was a, uh, a big one. Lots of people mentioning the one I'm about to talk about. Um, and Clattenburg, actually. So there we go. It's, there's a few examples. Lots of people talking about Clattenburg. In fact, some of the language used about Clattenburg here, um, I can't repeat on the podcast, but people are still yeah. very... Oh, but, S- Sandy Weller, the uh, October 2019, Gwen rugby tackle on Wilf at the Emirates, not a red card. Absolutely true. And then Andy mm. Gaskell has said, Hopkins handball at Stockport. Oh, no way. I'm happy with that one. Oh, yeah. It does go both ways. It does go both <laughs> ways. Um, let's talk about my one then. Uh, and for this, we're going even further back than 2011. We are going back to uh, February the 16th, 2003. Cool. An FA Cup clash, fourth round clash, I think, between Palace and Leeds United at Selhurst. Leeds go 1-0 up uh, with a free kick from Gary Kelly. Uh, 
which referee Dermot Gallagher, and I'd forgotten this because the main controversy is later on in the game, allowed Kelly to take early before the Palace wall had set itself, which is a controversy in itself, really. Mm. And uh, our goalkeeper at the time, and here's a name check for you guys, Cedric Bertalan. Oh, yeah. Was not ready, and uh, Kelly scores the free kick. Palace equalised with Julian Gray, who had scored against Liverpool in the previous round and um, was on fire that season. It was absolutely brilliant for us. I, I liked him in general as a Palace player, actually. Mm. Um, and then, about literally about two minutes later, and then a few minutes after that, comes a controversy uh, where basically a shot goes into the box. Um, it's parried uh, by the goalkeeper, Paul Robinson, at the time. Although on the bench, Nigel Martin uh, was uh, there for Leeds. Um, Tommy Black follows up. Puts it across the line with his left foot. Not only does it cross the line, Michael Dubry also scoops it out with his arm uh, to go clear it uh, away from the goal. So it's a goal and a penalty and a red card at the same time. And what does Dermot Gallagher do? He waves play on. Palace do not get anything. And then, of course, later in the game, Harry Kuehl scores an absolutely superb solo goal and leads go through 2-1. There are so many factors uh, that make this annoying, not only the fact that the Leeds boss for the uh, for that game, Richard, was? The Leeds boss in 2003. Hang on a minute. Warnock? Nope. Uh, previous, over the previous Palace manager. Well, Warnock's a previous Palace manager, isn't he? Uh, uh, sorry, can't It think. was Terry Venables. Is it really? And apparently he got a not very nice reaction, as you can imagine. Uh, and in fact, according to The Sun at the time, uh, Mark Irwin, the reporter, said Saddam Hussein in a Millwall shirt would have received a warmer welcome from the <laughs> Palace fans. Uh, so that's just another another reason to hate this moment because it means that Venables, who we hated at the time for obvious reasons, uh, walked away um, with the win. Just to set the scene, uh, Leeds two years previously had got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. So they had reached their peak. They were on the sort of down curve of the apex, really. And in fact, a year uh, later got relegated. So they finished fifth the year before this season, 15th that season. And then uh, the next season they were relegated. And of course, we all know what's happened to them in the two decades since. The Palace team on the day, Bertalan, Danny Butterfield, uh, Julian Gray, Kit Simons, Darren Powell, who was replaced by Adi Akinbaye later on, Hayden Mullins, Tommy Black, Riel Arti, Deli Adibola, what a guy he was, um, and Johnson and Sean Derry. So uh, not a terrible Palace team at the time, but the Leeds team had players like Ian Hart, Radaby, Seth Johnson, who would have cost them a lot of money, Alan Smith, Harry Kuehl, Jason Wilcox. So a very decent uh, team indeed. And what really solidifies what a terrible mistake this was for me, uh, Jesse, is the papers the next day. And I've actually clipped up some of the headlines. So, the Guardian's online article that you can read now still says, Kuehl scores a duel as Leeds get lucky at last. The BBC online article says Harry Kuehl left Palace feeling robbed after firing Leeds into the quarterfinals. The Irish Times, fortuitous Leeds, progressed to last eight. New shopper, do's a dozy ref then, Dermot. All the headlines, and in fact, there's more here, all the headlines are about that. Uh, the, front, the front page of the Guardian sports section at the time, robbery at the Palace, leaves Francis fuming. The back page of the Sun simply said, robbed. And even the Yorkshire Evening Post said, how Dermot Gallagher and his assistants failed to award Palace a goal in the later stages of the first half when Blackshot clearly crossed the line, remain a mystery to all of us, but it's the kind of lucky break that has eluded Leeds and Venables for a while. And in fact, the reporter for the Evening Post, doesn't say who it was, suggested Leeds might as, uh, Gallagher might as well be a Leeds fan with a record. And I'd completely forgotten this, but I now remember at the time thinking this. 
With a record of 13 wins and five draws in his last 18 games in charge of United, Leeds fans must also be hoping that Gallagher is the man in the middle for this year's final. If that's the case, United's name could really be on the cup. This is one, Jesse, that really felt like, and again, we have to legally be careful, although Gallagher has long retired since, it really felt like Palace were never going to get any. It felt biased. It really felt biased. So many decisions in this game and the reaction from all the press afterwards. This just felt like such a robbery. Oh, you're muted. You're muted, Jesse. I was I was just swearing about Terry Venables. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I was at this game. Um, I was at, sat in the main stand. You know, it's quite funny, isn't it? Your perspective of a game is always from where you sat and you yeah. always remember it, no matter what the TV camera angles were. Um, I hope they checked Venables' pockets and bag when he left. I mean, <laughs> the biggest, biggest outrage is they let him in the stadium, I'm sure. <laughs> I read the BBC report for this. It says he was given a hostile reception and returned to his former club. Yeah. Unsurprising. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Leeds, you got to remember what Leeds were in that moment. They were big budget kind of flash Harry's, weren't they? That yeah. was huge. That was probably around the time, probably just before they started to buy Ferdinand, the Ferdinands and Fowlers. But you can see Harry Kuehl was in there. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I I just think around that time it was just things never well things haven't changed, do they? Things don't still don't go for us in these in these sort of moments. Um, but I had a look at Dermot Gallagher's in my league table of dodgy refs. Um, Gallagher's um, eighth. He's not that bad. He only refereed eight league games for us, um, and ten or eleven cards he gave against us. One point six cards a game from Dermot Gallagher. Mm. So. Uh, Slightly down the list in terms of his discretions, but it's these moments that you remember, especially in big kind of cup games like this. Well, yeah, because Richard, we were obviously uh, uh, recovering from administration a couple of years earlier. Mm. Um, obviously, the Venable thing was still pretty raw. Only he only left us four years previously, and we were playing a big team at the time. And Leeds still are a big team, but they were they were a properly successful team at the yeah. time. So it felt like proper sort of David and Goliath stuff. I and mean, I think as a, as a club, we thrive on that actually and we enjoy it. And it, we'd beaten Liverpool at Anfield in the previous round. So we were on a run really and it felt like we could do something, sort of something special. And by from memory, and I can't actually find highlights of this online anywhere, unfortunately, not on Palace's YouTube channel, not anywhere. But it felt like we gave them the game. Um, and, and I can still see the ball going over the line. I actually sat in the Arthur Waite towards that end it was the white horse goal mm. so i can still see it in my head and there is a photo of tommy black putting it over the line it's so clear um and it felt you know when you're the smaller team you often feel like you don't get those decisions as we spoken about earlier in part one but this just yeah. really felt like the system was against us i agree and actually funnily enough i went to the replay at anfield the previous round when gray scored twice well the an own goal possibly but um and it felt like we won at Anfield we never used to win at Anfield ever yeah. ever ever probably the first time we'd done it um for a while and winning 2-0 at Anfield we had Freeman sent off actually and just you know I remember spending the night in Liverpool because it was a long way up and we just, we couldn't believe it. We were having a curry and just going, this is it. This is definitely going to be our year. We're definitely, and then you get Leeds at home, as you say, they're a, you know, Premier League club. We're a championship club, but we're thinking, yeah, we do it. And then you get that. I mean, 
really it's just feels so it's such a gut wrench and i was at the, the that game I, I i can't i was in the main stand i can't quite remember i remember all the ferrari about it i didn't get a clear view as, as jesse says sometimes your views of things when you're in the stadium are very different depending on where you are and i'd have been quite high up so i wouldn't have necessarily seen it but i just remember the general disbelief of lots of people saying hang on you you have to see that you you know, you say there are three issues, you know, it was over the line, he actually handled it and pulled it back. I mean, there, there is something going on here, and I think we're on to something. So, Well, it just felt, it felt really unfair, and I think that's, as a football fan, you feel like when you go out on the pitch, it should be a leveller and everything should be fair, but actually this plays into that conspiracy that smaller clubs do not get the rub of the green that bigger clubs do. And I don't want to, Jesse, suggest anything, but Dermot Gallagher was a guest on the Quickly Kevin podcast, which is an excellent 90s themed football podcast, and I recommend listening to it. About three or four years ago, actually, in their in their second season. And they asked him about refereeing big games. And he said, It's easier to make friends than enemies. If you make a friend, they can look after you on the field when you need them. That just feels like to me like a referee that's cozying up to the big teams, surely. Yeah, I mean it's not surprising, is it? It's just not it's not a shock just to kind of see. I mean, you saw Kevin Friend the way his face when he walked off the pitch yeah. against Liverpool. He was lapping up, yeah, like like a panto villain. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. Loved his moment of infamy. Yeah, and uh, probably just had a good chuckle when he got back to his referees room with his linesman. And then, you know, he has to take the can for it now, doesn't he? he has to sit out these these fixtures. Yeah, quite rightly. Um, can I just say though, Jesse, this goal in particular, I think possibly. I can't confirm this, but possibly may have been the catalyst for technology that we now have in the game. Because a few years later, Gallagher called for referees to have, they've put it here in the article, electronic aids. So essentially, essentially at this point, 2003, there was no technology helping referees officials whatsoever during games. I'm not even sure they were mic'd up at this point. Um, they may have been, but I, doesn't, I don't know. Um, but Gallagher, there's quotes from him saying, uh, I'd be a fool if I was offered help and didn't want to use it. I'd like to see anything that would help decisions, uh, get right decisions, anything that would help me and my colleagues. I'd have been a very, very brave man to have given a goal from where I was standing on the edge of the area and my linesman couldn't see if the ball was in. Here we go, direct quotes about the goal. That's life, I'm afraid. Oh, well, that makes fu- it even more angry. Well, it's uh, funny you say that because I saw that, um, Simon, just give you a link in the chat there. After this game, Simon Jordan was uh, making demands for video replays. Um, yeah. That was him, him saying that, you know, the, the FA needs to drag the game back into the 21st century and small teams like us can't um, be at the mercy of these, these decisions. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, it, it definitely stemmed from here. If you're saying Gallagher and someone like Jordan piping up about it at that time as well. Well, I guess in a way, Richard, that does possibly make it slightly more palatable and if you think that it did lead to some change. What we're saying is basically we're a trailblazing team and we change football for good forever. I think um, to claim that Tommy Black's disallowed goal led to goal line technology is slightly <laughs> stretching credibility because I believe it was when Lampard scored oh, in the yeah. 2010 <laughs> World Cup final. Yeah. But yeah. hey, let's go with Tommy Black. <laughs> you know, that was, you know, if you think back to that incident, how far over the line was Lampard shot? I mean, it was yeah, yeah, wasn't even man. a yard. It was three yards over. And you know, I always think when you see these incidents, and then you look at the goalkeeper, and he looks 
guilty as hell. You know, it's like Freddie Sears goal. The Bristol City keeper was just sort of hiding behind a post game. This can't believe they're doing this. And you know, the, everyone knows that's the annoying thing. Everyone, everyone watching, all the players know what's going on. The only person who doesn't pick it up happens to be the referee. So, ah, basically. Can I round off then this rant about Dermot Gallagher? Although I have to say on the Quickly Kevin podcast, he does come across really well. and <laughs> seems like a does nice he? guy. Which well, not... he's, he's Connor's great uncle, isn't he? It does not... Is he? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> it does, which doesn't play into my narrative, but um, I'm sure he's probably a fairly nice guy. But at the time, it really felt like, it really felt personal. And so I've got his record up again. Uh, oh. or his record up on uh, transfermarket.co.uk um, most refereed clubs for Gallagher Liverpool Liverpool I think Liverpool probably for most referees why did why did Liverpool need so many referees that's the weird thing isn't yeah. it and that's what annoyed me so much about the Josh Liverpool don't need any help I know yeah, they don't they're, they're a good side they don't need help that's the annoying thing about the Jota thing is it was 2-1 we probably we may have equalised we probably still were going to lose anyway but it still makes us angry because of the injustice of it um, second most referee team for Gallagher Arsenal Leeds United oh no here we go oh no Total games, 33. Yeah. Wins, what do you reckon? 23. 21. It's pretty what? high. Only five defeats over his total. And we know at the time it was no defeats in his in his 18 games. So, um, yeah, a particularly favourable record for Leeds then. We'll leave it there before we say anything more controversial. Yeah. Just, just one, one, one more nugget from the uh, referee Hall of Shame. Um, <laughs> Klattenberg. Only refereed 15 games for us in the Premier League. and But Palace didn't win one of them. No way. Oh, no. 15 wow. games. That's like, just set. Premier League, is it? Just not just, just Premier League. Just Premier League. Wow. wow. Oh, we, I mean, we could really do a whole episode on Clattenburg, couldn't we? Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, I could start with an anagram, but it wouldn't be allowed and you'd be thrown off air. Class, but just think class, about yeah, okay, Clattenburg's yeah. name and you, you, you know where I'm going. Anyway, oh yeah, I just uh, it out. okay. On. <laughs> on that note, we're gonna we're gonna bring to a close our our referee controversies. Um, guys, do you feel has it been cathartic for you, Richard? Do you feel like you've sort of let off some steam, or do you feel more angry? Uh, incensed is the word I'd, I'd look for. <laughs> no, the more I look into it, and the more annoyed I get, and it just it does my head in. But um, I mean, I if I was Kurt Zuma, I'd be kicking my cat. Well, please don't. Uh, and that is well, another I've got two lovely cats and I wouldn't ever harm them. I mean, Zuma, in my, in my opinion, shouldn't have played for West Ham after that. But I mean, that was outrageous. His brother appalling. got spent by Dagenham. Yeah, I know. Appalling. Anyway, let's I, not go if there. that happened on our club, I think we'd be incredibly embarrassed. I think people I think would be animals could play. be our next episode, couldn't it? Animals in football. Maybe. I'm sure there's been animals. There's definitely been a cat and a fox on the pitch at some point at Palace, isn't there? So, uh, well, and, the, and literally eagles as well. Um, oh, yeah. Jesse, how do you feel after that? Do you, uh, has this been cathartic for you? No, Jim, you just opened up a lot of old wounds, really. Agree. <laughs> 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 uh, and wounds I didn't know existed. All sorts of, all, all these sort of dodgy things that have come out of the woodwork. I didn't even register it at the time. But yeah, so um, I guess next time we'll do something a little bit more positive for from palace nostalgia point of view i'm looking yeah. forward to going to looking forward to going to brentford tomorrow it's the only ground in the current premier league i haven't been to oh did you get a ticket i didn't get a t- i tried to get a ticket desperately yeah, i can't go i was keen to go but um 
No, ah. well, enjoy and let us know on the next episode of Party Shop Pants how you got on. Um, of course, we would love suggestions. So if you're listening to this and you've had an idea for a, a theme we could do, we've previously done themed 11s, we've done our top three goals, all sorts of things. Um, do message us. You can get us on Twitter at FYP Fanzine, same on Instagram, or email us contact at fypfanzine.uk. Let us know a future theme for these spin-off episodes and we'll try our best to do it. But in the meantime, Jesse, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, as always. Looking forward to the next one already. Top man. And Richard, great to have you here as well. Thank you very much, Jim. And, and if you go onto the Football Mind, there is a piece about Kevin Friend <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. And this, you, you'll know it because there's steam coming off it as you, you open it up. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine it's a favourable piece on, uh, on Friend. Um, good. And thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying these spin-off episodes. We enjoy doing them. So let us know uh, if you're enjoying them as well. And we'll see you again soon hopefully next month for another uh, episode of Pardew's Hot Pants here at FYP until then take care we'll see you again soon goodbye When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best, Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Podcast Network.